Hello, and welcome to the One Link Podcast. I'm Amy, and I'm here with Brad. Hi, Amy. Good to be with you. Good to be with you. So, Amy, the other day I sent you an email with a link to an article I found called Why You Should Consider Canceling Your Short-Term Mission Trip. So I'm curious what you thought of it. Yes, I got it, and I looked it over. I have to say that the title certainly caught my attention, particularly since we are heavily involved in sending short-term missions teams. So where did you find this article? Well, first, let me just say I'm glad you read my emails. Of course. <laughs> Great. Well, I was looking at our Instagram feed the other day, you know, because I'm vain and I want to see if people have liked our posts and all that, which, by the way, we're on Instagram if you want to follow us. Just a little shameless promotion there. Anyways, I was looking on Instagram and this article was in our feed and was written by a a very popular Christian group. So I thought it was worth discussing it further and helping any of our listeners who are grappling with some of the issues the author brought up. Particularly, is there still a place for short-term or summer missions? You know, is there value in doing these types of trips? Yes. I also wondered if this was an issue that our students and volunteers might be thinking about, or even if some of them had read this article or similar ones. In general, there seems to be a lot of confusion these days on the role of short-term missions. So maybe we can start with some of the concerns the author had in this article. Let's do it. So where would you want to start? Well, first, I think we need to acknowledge that it's a good and valid thing to ask questions like, is it worth all the time and resources to keep sending all these short-termers to serve overseas? You know, I hope our sense of justifying our own existence doesn't ever get in the way of asking hard questions like this. I mean, I hope we would all agree beyond the shadow of a doubt that we must be a part of the gospel going to the ends of the earth. However, I think it's worth stopping and thinking about whether we're using the wisest means to be a part of that process. Yes, I agree that we shouldn't be afraid to explore these kinds of things. And we should probably start by saying that the author was by no means saying that all short-term missions are bad or should be stopped. Right. In fact, he writes a follow-up article about his advice for doing short-term missions in a wiser way. So even he feels that there are some ways that short-term trips can be effective. But I think it's worth dealing with some of the pitfalls he mentions. So maybe you can recap some of those for us, Amy. Right. Some of the things that we could all probably guess, and we've heard the horror stories of teams that go overseas with their own agenda and are more interested in ticking a box that they built something or did some program than they are about coming alongside the long-term strategy for the work there. He also mentions doing missions in ways that build dependency. Instead of empowering local people to do certain things, the Americans swoop in with their abundant resources, but as soon as they swoop back out, the people haven't been invested in in a way that has a long-term benefit. We could probably think of other ways that short-termers have not been a blessing and maybe even tell some stories. But I think we would all agree that some short-term teams don't have the right perspective when they go. Right. And we've spent a great deal of time training and preparing our teams so that they have a different perspective when they go. But the question I want to pose is one that I asked our staff the other day, and that is, is this just a case of a few bad apples giving the rest of us a bad name? Or do you think there are some fundamental flaws in how Americans tend to do short-term missions? I don't want to just dismiss some of these potential pitfalls and say, well, that's you know other people. Right. And some of the points he brings up are certainly applicable to us. For instance, he questions the commonly held idea that encouraging people to do short-term missions will lead people to do longer-term missions. This is certainly an objective that we've had. So what did you think about this point? 
That caught my attention as well. And you're right that one of our goals for mobilizing students is to help raise up lifelong Great Commission Christians. And for many of them, we hope that a part of this will include serving overseas long term, you know, if that's what the Lord has for them. So we certainly operate with the mentality that a great way to raise up long-termers is to help them first serve short-term. Right. So the author points to the fact that while there has been an exponential increase in short-term missions among American Christians, the numbers of people going overseas long-term has not matched this growth. So this would tend to cast doubt on the idea that more short-term missions leads to more long-term missions. Well, I think it's it's an interesting point, and I'm glad he addresses it. And as an organization, we've been trying to think of how we can help students take next steps after their summer to apply what the Lord showed them. So this will continue to be a priority for us. But as I've talked to long-term workers overseas, I don't know that I've met any that just signed up to serve long-term without first having their eyes opened on a short-term trip. I don't think people are just born with the perspective that their lives could be used to bring the gospel to all nations. In fact, I think a lot of Christians in America don't even fully understand God's plans and purposes in wanting all nations to receive the good news. And it's one thing to say this to someone, you know, in a classroom type setting, but it's an entirely different thing for them to go overseas and experience what God is doing among the nations for themselves. I think for most people, it requires this kind of experience to develop that perspective. Yes, I have certainly seen this as well. But at the end of the day, isn't this just anecdotal evidence for the impact of short-term missions? Do we have any hard data that shows that short-term missions really leads to long-term missions or even long-term perspective change? The author's point about the lack of correlation between an increase in short-term missions is really the only evidence that we're presented. Good point. But I think it's hard to quantify this since there are so many types of short-term missions. Your average trip out there is usually, you know, a week to 10 days and involves anywhere from youth groups to senior adults. So there isn't, to my knowledge, any research that breaks down the effectiveness or lack of effectiveness in raising up long-term workers with different types of short-term missions. So that is where the argument breaks down a little bit, in my opinion. I don't know that there's a way to, you know, scientifically speaking, to, to analyze this. But we, we as an organization do have 25 years of history to look at and see what influence we've had on students doing short-term missions or, or summer missions the way that we do it. And while, again, I think we should always be striving for improvement, I'm honestly encouraged by what I see from our alumni out there. There are a lot of them making a difference in the world and getting the gospel to the ends of the earth. So I think the real issue here isn't whether or not short-term missions makes long-term missionaries, but rather how can we do short-term missions in a way that raises up the right kind of laborers. Yes, and... I agree that we have a lot of encouraging fruit that we can look at over the years as an organization. And perhaps it would be helpful now to explain what I think you mean by our type of short-term missions. I'm assuming you mean both the type of people who we are trying to recruit, college students, and the training and the investment that we put into them. Yes, these are important aspects of our process. We believe that college students are an incredibly strategic group to invest in and mobilize to the nations. And we invest heavily in these students and work closely with campus groups that have that same vision. I mean, if you think about it, our investment is somewhat disproportionate for a summer trip, but that's because we have the long-term in mind. We also ask for a fairly high level of commitment, both to the preparation process and to being willing to serve for a whole summer rather than just you know a week or two. 
We do all of this with the hope that this will be a key step in a lifelong process. So why are college students such a strategic group to mobilize in your mind? I think there are a couple of reasons. First, they are such a teachable, at such a teachable and transformational season of life. For so many people that I know, you know, their biggest aha moments happen during their college years. The second reason is that their future is wide open. They could really do anything coming out of college. And that isn't quite the same in other seasons of life. Now, you know, please don't hear me casting shade on people in other seasons of life. I certainly don't mean that we shouldn't mobilize people who are older or younger, for that matter, to the nations. But I think we'd all agree that in later seasons of life, there are a lot more commitments and obstacles to just dropping your life here in America and going overseas long term. College students, on the other hand, are in a prime place to go down any number of paths. So I think what we are saying then is that if we really want to see long-term missionaries out there, we're going to have to invest in them at strategic points along the way to help them see God's heart for the nations, as well as give them the opportunity to have some practical experience being involved in all this. Yeah, I think that's true. And I hope it doesn't sound like we're just trying to toot our own horn. I don't know, do people still say that? Is that a a thing? (laughs) Kind of an old school saying. But anyways, we're not just trying to toot our own horn. Uh, you know, dedicated people who are in this for the long term aren't just going to materialize out of thin air. We're going to have to be intentional and strategic in investing in them. I'm wondering if I could bring up another point that the author of the article makes. And this is the fact that because we are spending so much money on short-term missions, we might be depriving long-term work of vital resources. He references the fact that many churches spend tens of thousands of dollars on short-term missions, but they aren't spending nearly that much on the long-term work. Certainly our students have to raise a lot of money to go on these trips. Wouldn't these resources be better spent, perhaps, on supporting long-termers? This is another great point, but I think there's an even bigger issue involved, and this is our priority in how we use our resources. I don't think we lack the resources in America to invest both in strategic short-term work and long-term work if we have the right priorities. So... I'm going to get on a bit of a soapbox here. You all right with that? Climb on that box. So I read the other day that Americans spent half a billion dollars on Halloween costumes for their pets last year. As I said, I I don't think we lack resources, but I think we do often lack perspective on how to leverage our resources for the kingdom. Honestly, it would only take some, some small changes in our priorities away from using our resources towards more entertainment and comfort and towards putting greater emphasis on using them for kingdom purposes. If we did this, the issue of short-term missions versus long-term missions wouldn't have to be a question of either or. It could easily be a a both and. I mean, half a billion dollars would cover the entire budget of the largest mission-sending agency in this country for multiple years. And this is just one thing. Uh, Imagine if every Christian in America decided to go without you know, even one toy, gadget, whatever you want to call it, that they were planning to buy this year and spent that money instead towards the gospel going to the ends of the earth, the result would be significant, I believe. And we wouldn't need to talk about whether we should fund short-term or long-term. We would prioritize them both because they're both an important part of fulfilling the Great Commission. That's a good point. I mean, Amy, if we could just get a little bit of that Halloween pet money, we'd never have to worry about fundraising again. Yes, something to shoot for. (laughs) I'm kidding. Well, sort of. I'm not. (laughs) So, Brad, any final conclusions from what we've read and discussed this week? 
I think the issue we're trying to define in all this is what does success look like for a short-term or summer missions team? And it's not easy to define. You know, is it the impact that happens in the students' lives? Is it the impact that happens on the local people where they go? Uh, is it more one of these than the other? I mean, certainly we want to see both of these things happen. But it's hard to see the full effect, the ripple effect, so to speak, of what can happen on one of these trips. You know, how do we know exactly if impact has happened? You can't always know things that are happening in people's hearts and minds, especially when they happen later on down the road. So I think we need to recognize the limitations of our own perspective and just keep asking the Lord to help us be faithful. So how about you? Did you have any takeaways? You know, Brad, I'm not sure I could summarize it any better than that. Well, thanks. Well, we know that many of you out there may still have questions or thoughts regarding this topic. So we wanted to give you the opportunity to write to us if you want to chime in or ask a follow-up question. If you'd like to write to us, you can send an email to podcast.onelink at gmail.com. And those are all spelled out, so podcast.onelink at gmail.com. Yeah, feel free to write to us with any ideas or questions you have. And who knows, your question or topic might be featured on a future episode of our podcast. Wouldn't that be cool? Certainly would. So I have one more question for you before we go, Amy. Yeah, what's that? Are you going to buy your dog a Halloween costume this year? (laughs) You know, I think you may have ruined that one for me. Well, until next time, this is Amy and Brad, and thank you for listening to the One Link Podcast. See you next time.